When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Even me is Nathan Barrett and Drew Gillen. We talked with Ryan Day and Jim Knowles in preparation for Ohio State's primetime matchup with Notre Dame at Notre Dame on Saturday at 7 o'clock on NBC. And we typically start with day stuff, but just listening back and also just listening live, I thought, Nathan, what Jim Knowles had to say was maybe a little bit more interesting at times. And maybe he's just teasing us with some of the stuff he had to say. But whether it was I asked him about the Sunny Styles stuff and maybe he might be moving around going forward you were asking about you know pressure and defensive line play but he kind of teased the jack i don't know do we (laughs) in a way that was like messing with us but also this would be the game right nathan this would be if they're going to use the jack at all this would be the game to bring it out i i mean maybe um it is more of a run defense mechanism than it is a, a pass rush mechanism. I think that's always been a little bit misunderstood, but I, 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 it, it's very hard to say with any certainty because we just don't know how much they've really been practicing it. We didn't see it in our small glimpses of the, of the preseason camp. Mm-hmm. And, and some of that is Mitchell Melton and, and, and what they've been doing with him, trying to weave him back into maybe being more of a conventional defensive end. So I'm, I'm very much not going to go out on the Jack limb it's certainly something to have in the back of our minds as we approach this game, but it's not something that I'm I'm ready to proclaim will be a, a big part. It is, I think it is though, and I tried to ask Ryan Day about this after the game and, and uh, on in in a way, kind of that mix between getting your foundation set over the first three games and building your identity, the balance of that, and then holding something back. And we think they've done that on offense, mm-hmm. and I imagine they've done that on defense too. And I think it's probably even more important on defense because there's not a lot Sam Hartman hasn't seen at this point of his now third decade of playing college football. And he has has seen blitzes from every angle and every kind of front and every kind of personnel package that Ohio State could put out there, basically. He's probably, frankly, even seen some version of the Jack because he played Duke every year, and Jim Knowles used to be at Duke, and, and Matt Guerrero used to be the co-defensive coordinator there. There's probably some similarities there. I bet he has seen some glimpse of a, of a Jack-related thing. So even that's probably not going to catch him off guard. I think the element of surprise that Ohio State tries to pull on both sides of the ball Saturday is one of the things I'm most intrigued to see. It's going to be a great game, I think, potentially, regardless. It's just setting up in a really intriguing way. And the thing that I'm maybe most curious about is, okay, Ohio State really pummeled Western Kentucky this past week, has looked good, especially that game, on both sides of the ball. But how much is there still that we just haven't seen them unleash yet about this team? So Sam Hartman and Jim, I was looking it up while we were sitting there. They missed each other by one year. Yeah, Jim Knowles' last year at Duke it was 2017. Sam Hartman got into college football in 900 BC, but in 2018, to be serious about this. But Andrew, I think Nathan's got a point. I think it's going to be a good game from a coaching standpoint in terms of what both of these teams deploy. Jim Knowles was getting asked about 
trying to balance blitzing versus not blitzing when you're playing against an offensive line that's got some guys like Notre Dame has? Like, what did he have to say about that? The number one thing that I saw from Knowles was that he was kind of guarded and he really didn't want to say too much, especially this week. Um, you know, I, I when he when he was talking about the offensive line, you know, I, that was where he cracked the joke. Like, you know, if I had the answer to that, you know, I'd be somewhere smoking a cigar right now. Like, you know, th- like this is a this is a, this is a tough call, I think, for um, for what the defense is going to do and, and kind of how you want to attack the uh, the Notre Dame offense because you know I think look at who Ohio State has played and I think it's very easy to look and see okay you know they had some things to hold back yeah I, I agree I, I think they were kind of holding some things back and I think they kind of ramped up the intensity last week um, but Notre Dame has kind of had a similar schedule you know they they opened the year against Navy then they played Tennessee State and then they played NC State. And then they played Central Michigan. And, like, I don't know how you feel about NC State versus, like, Indiana, um, but relatively-ish, perhaps, similar. I don't know. Um, you know, you get a half-conference, however you want to say that for Notre Dame, like a half-conference opponent. Um, and then you get, you know, a couple lower-level programs. So it's like, I wonder how much they're holding back with this, too. So I think that that's part of the worry with with Ohio State and 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 obviously for Notre Dame is that like we talk so much about this in week one and week two where I think this is kind of the new normal because it's always this way in college football where guys are changing jobs the personnel changes a lot you know it, this was it was that way forty years ago where you didn't really know what a team was going to do but now it's even more pronounced because the transfer portal because guys move teams more freely than they used to and. I think that that's going to be a thing that we talk about every every week one and week two of every season. But now I'm kind of wondering, like, how much has Notre Dame withheld from their first couple of games? Because it, like, it, it's kind of crazy that this is Notre Dame's fifth game already. So it's like, how much could they hold back? And then how much has Ohio State held back? I, I'm I'm curious to see from a coaching perspective, like like this is Notre Dame's offensive coordinator, Jared Parker. This is his first like true big game. Right. And this is his first, this is his first atmosphere like this, that he's going to be the coordinator at Notre Dame. So it's like, how much does that moment affect him? And, and what is his mentality for this type of week and this type of environment? So yeah, the, the coaching matchup to me here is it's absolutely fascinating. I think the advantage is, is an Ohio state's favor a little bit there just because Notre Dame already yeah. had to go on the road and play at NC State, so mm-hmm. that's a that's a better program than Indiana is. That I is agree. a team that it had to take a little bit more seriously. A game that it could, I guess, conceivably lose. Ohio State hasn't played a game it could lose yet. I don't think we would agree with that, right? Like yeah. even if they yeah. weren't coming out like just complete um, blowing them away uh, right off the bat, uh, scorched earth, it, they were not challenged in those games. And NC State, like gave Notre Dame at least for half of that game something to think about. So I imagine that Ohio State probably feels like it probably does have a little bit more in reserve intellectually or however you want to say it schematically than what NC State does at this point or what Notre Dame does at this point. So again, I'm just I I'm I'm eager to see what that means, if that means something in terms of offensive packages, but especially if what it means in terms of how Jim Knowles attacks because or if he attacks then that's the, that was a lot of the questions that he got today were extensions of things he started talking about last week about a matchup like this being you know um, how much do you attack in a in a more equated matchup and how much do you um, hold back a little bit how much is he adjusting how much is he mm-hmm. changing and evolving in that way and at the same time in someone like Sam Hartman don't you have to come after him because if you just let him play on his terms. That's maybe letting him pick you apart. I, 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 that's kind of fascinating to me. So do we get some things that aren't just a four-man rush or Tommy Eichenberg on the blitz? Do we see some new things from Jim Knowles on Saturday? Or does he flip it and kind of go towards more what he was talking about last week, which is, you know what, we're not going to even blitz with Tommy no thumbs as much. It's going to be more letting this four-man front do its work. I asked him today, about the four man front and if you need if we do you need to feel it more this week in order to win a game like this and he was kind of like they just got to keep doing what they were doing and talking about how some things that we had talked about Stephen that that maybe 
there was more pressure this past week um, in a game against Western Kentucky, even mm-hmm. if you're still not getting home a lot just because of the nature of the game. That those that this uh, uh, was a better game from the defensive ends, at least, and maybe the defensive line as a whole. So what's the extension of that? And is and, and can you, if you can get that four-man rush against a guy like Sam Hartman and disrupt him enough, then and not having to to bring anybody else, made, that's really setting up in Ohio State's favor. I think what makes this matchup so much more intriguing than last year's matchup is both of these guys have played games. And so you're not working. Both Day well, and Jim Knowles attested to the fact that. Now, I, it, it, when I, I say play I, games I, is you have an idea of what guy's going to do. Now, have they shown you no. everything? No. But you're, it's, 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 you're working with from a standpoint of within your own team. Right. I think what Kyle makes it more McCord intriguing is, had- is, yeah, what makes it more intriguing is Notre Dame has a quarterback. Notre Dame didn't yeah. have a quarterback last year. This makes it more. <laughs> they really didn't have receivers. Well, <laughs> I mean, but the, 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 to be fair, we didn't know that about Tyler Buckner coming into the year because that was his first start. You had, so, you know, what I'm saying, like we've seen Sam you Hartman. Knew, yeah, but you, you knew it. As I a was passer. gonna say you kind of knew the receivers because, like, I, and I, I don't know. I think that Week One was the perfect place for that game last year because, like. Like, let's flip it and, like, let's say that Notre Dame played Marshall first instead of Ohio State last year. Maybe they beat Marshall because they're not coming off the Ohio State game, which they had, like, built for, like, nine months as, like, Marcus. I mean, think about all the storylines you had coming into that. You had Marcus Freeman going back to yeah, Ohio State. Yeah, but that's State better for us to game. write about. I'm not – we're but talking about for them I, as I understand, but, like, the hype for that game and, like, the buildup for that game, I think that w- it was – week one was the best place for that game because I think that – if that game, if this year had taken place in week one, there would have been obviously a lot of excitement about it. But if last year's game had taken place in like week four and you had seen Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner play football for a couple of weeks, everyone would have been like, oh, 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 no. Oh, this is not this is not anywhere near what I was hoping it was going to be. I don't know. I think from their standpoint of getting a chance to build up whether it's with Kyle McCord, getting him a couple of games under his belt, getting Sam Hartman a couple of games within this offense. Because I understand he's been around for six years, but this is his first year within this offensive scheme. So you're not being as simple. You're not being as bland. You get Marcus Freeman saying things like, we're going to be more aggressive this time around and not play to lose like they were a year ago. That's what I'm talking about. The buildup and the hype that we're going to talk about, that's irrelevant to – how they were actually going to game plan and prepare for a game like this. I think in this situation for Ohio State, because of its situation of you're starting a brand new starting quarterback, you're in year two of a defense, having a couple games under your belt for your quarterback to get comfortable before you just throw him into a game like that probably benefits Ohio State more this year. While last year you had a second year starting quarterback, so it was fine that it was week one. I don't know what you want to make of Marcus Freeman like year two. Like, does he manage games differently? Does he look at games differently? Like what changes there? Like, I I think that there's some of that maybe like, has he grown as a coach in the last like 380 days or whatever it's going to be? I think so. But like, I, I, I don't know how much that's going to play in it. What, what I am curious, and I looked up the quote and the quote to me, I'm kind of reading between the lines here. Like he's, you know, the question was on playing complimentary football, said part of the mindset going into that game, and he's referring to last year, was trying to control the ball as long as we could, limit their offensive possessions. It still has to be complimentary football as we go into this Saturday, but I don't want to play not to lose. I don't want to play that way. I want our guys to be aggressive, and I want our guys to be attacking. And I think that that mindset right there tells me that, like, it tells you what it tells you just basically, like, all right, he doesn't, like, they're not going to go in there and just try and run out the clock, and they're not trying to bleed the clock. Like, that to me says that this is, like, Notre Dame is going to be more aggressive than we have seen them be in a long time. Like, and I'm talking, like, I, I think that we've talked a lot about the offensive line and, and kind of the, the tackles and the defensive ends. Like, I think the run game is really going to matter. But like the more that I read those quotes, the more I'm like, they're really going to go after Ohio State's secondary early. And I think that if they can establish, like, I don't know, it's just, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to try and predict what, what these coaches are going to do. But the more that I think about this, the more that I'm like, I think Notre Dame might come out slinging the rock a little bit and they're going to try and put Jim Knowles on his heels and try and change up what he's doing. Cause right now, what did Jim Knowles say? Look, they run the ball. Like the question was, one of the questions was like, hey, doesn't this kind of remind you of, you know, Joe Gibbs teams back in the day where a power running game and they take shots over the top? 
And he's like, yeah, you know, they marry their run game with their offensive line really well. And the run game is really important to them. But I, I think we might see some of those deep shots early. Do you not? Yeah. And I think that's a product of Nathan. You just pointed out they have a real quarterback this year. But yeah. also, this isn't week one, your first official game as a start as the head coach. And you're playing against a team that's got the high powered offense that Ohio State has. So you have to play keep away. You have to play short in the game to give yourself a chance. Well, and I, I think mean, it's not I was going to just to add in real quick. Sorry, Nathan. I, I think it's. Whether you want to say it's misguided or not, I don't think it is. Um, but Notre Dame, in Notre Dame's football offices right now, they're probably thinking, like, I think we have the better quarterback. Like, I think we have the best quarterback in the game. Let's let us let's let him sling it. Like, And, and th- last year, that would have been a hilarious sentence to say out loud. This year, I don't think it is. So I think that, like, there's also this confidence from Notre Dame, like, look, we're going to roll into this game and we're going to have the better quarterback and we need like this is why they got Sam Hartman, right? This is why they got him, and this is why you have Sam Hartman on your football team to beat a team like Ohio State. One of the things that Ryan Day said in multiple ways today was, "Okay, I get it. When we play Western Kentucky, people expect us to win by X number of points. Like I mm-hmm. understand uh, that can't be anything anybody cares about in a game like this. This game just has to be you either won or you lost." Because you get ultimate credit for winning the game kind of by any margin, right? Like, Notre, mm-hmm. we don't think, even if even if there are people out there who think that Notre Dame is on a top 10 team, and I'm not sure whether they are or not, I'd probably be ranking them about there right now. Top 20 if at least, I were, if, I were still, for sure. if I were still voting. But, but that's what I'm saying. Like, they're probably never yeah. falling out of the top 20 this year unless things really yeah. go south. I mean, they just have, I think they are too much, they are too talented. Hartman's good enough that he, he raises the floor. So it's, it's the, whatever you win this game by makes it, valuable no matter what it's there's no way a win at Notre Dame can be held against your um your resume so what I think you're seeing is last year Notre Dame came into this game any defense your 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 goal in any game is and let's just talk about it I guess maybe more so Ohio State's goal in any game is stop the run make a team one-dimensional and then you get to tee off on them a little bit. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of across the board. But Ohio State preaches that a lot. Jim Knowles will talk about first thing you got to do is stop the run. You know, make it impossible for them to run, and then we've got them. Then they're in our hands. Oh, Notre Dame came in last year already as a one dimensional offense. Like they did half the job. They were they their their solution to Ohio State's problem was greatly appreciated. And the Ohio State won that game twenty one to ten. That's all they had to win it by. There was no point last year where only winning twenty one to ten was going to cost Ohio State anything and it now this year uh they are going to be facing a more dynamic offense I I I think they can run the ball pretty well I was impressed with uh, some of the glimpses I've seen of of their lead back I want to you know I I, I'm still just curious because I think this Ohio State defense is it's still a little bit of an under maybe we haven't talked enough about what this defense is doing yet because it reminds me a little bit of last year. Everything was going so well that we nitpicked on the cornerback stuff. And this year, there have been, you know, the offense wasn't doing that great and the offensive line, oh my God, like what's mm-hmm. going on? And we kind of have forgotten that they've played 12 quarters of football and allowed 20 points. And no matter who you're playing against, that's pretty freaking good. Yeah. So, uh, whereas Notre Dame is, you know, they, they've already had some games, so they've, they've yielded some points and, um, I, I, it's just, it, it, it's, I'm, I'm very curious, um, just if, if this is the kind of game where, um, that, that matchup concept, um, so far Ohio state has almost been playing some of these games along the same vibe. Like it didn't matter how much they beat Indiana by, um, it didn't matter how much they beat Youngstown state by. And then you saw the blow up last week when everything kind of synced together and which of those two vibes is more the true Ohio state. I think outside of, I mean, they've, they've blitzed Tommy a healthy amount the first three weeks here. But outside of that, a lot of what we've seen from the defense is just guys wanting to be dudes, whether it's Denzel Burke and what he's done, Josh Proctor's reemergence. I mean, Sonny Styles is Sonny Styles. The defensive line finally got to show it last week against Western Kentucky. I think Davis Nigmanosin's been decent. Putting Jordan Hancock in that nickel role has worked out as well. We haven't necessarily ske- seen the to the point of maybe they were holding stuff back. We haven't seen that married with whatever Jim Knowles' game plan is going to be against a team where it's actually 
important for him to have a game plan outside of, hey, Denzel, just go be better than the guy across from you. So what does that look like? I'm with you. They've allowed 20 points in three weeks. That's impressive. But now you allow 13 points against Notre Dame. That's saying something. You allow only one touchdown against Notre Dame. That's going to say something when you marry those two aspects. We're going to take a quick break there. That was fun. And when we come back, we'll flip it. We'll talk about Ryan Day. And really, we're going to talk about Ryan Day in Georgia because that's what matters when we're talking about this Notre Dame game is what did we learn about Ryan Day in the Peach Bowl last year and how that might be applied in the Notre Dame game to start off this season. When we come back here, Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It's time for the text, 614-350-3315. Andrew was texting stuff off of Jim Knowles and Ryan Day today. Uh, Nathan sends out stuff all the time. I send out stuff all the time. And then we text you 30 million times on game day because it's what we like to do over here. Two-week free trial. This is the great time. It's actually perfect right here because you're getting a lot of football over the next couple of days here leading up into this Notre Dame game. And then it gets you deep into the, the bye week next week and then a little bit into the week after that when they come back and play football again. 614-350-3315. Nathan, after the Michigan game, when it was clear that Ohio State was going to be playing Georgia in the Peach Bowl, when we got day for the first time for that announcement, I think it was also signing day, so there was a lot going on that day. But day reflected on the Michigan game a little bit while also looking forward into what maybe the plan or what the approach would be to go against Georgia and not wanting to leave anything on the table. And he used the word 40 points in that game. And everything was about being aggressive. And then he backed that up when we actually got to the Georgia game with his play calling, but then also his overall demeanor. I mean, if you go back and watch that game, when anytime they showed him on the sideline after Ohio State made a play, he was beside himself, very much so. And you saw it permeate throughout the rest of the team. I even remember I went down to watch the team come into Mercedes-Benz Stadium that day, and he wasn't uptight or anything like that. He was loose, and he – seemed kind of ready to call a, a big game that day, and he did. It didn't end up with a win, obviously, because they ended up losing that game by one point. But still, it kind of set a tone for what we should expect from Ryan Day, what she, we should expect from Ohio State going forward, and almost maybe gave this program some new life. The first three weeks of the season haven't presented an opportunity for us to see that version of Ryan Day. But now that we've gotten to the Notre Dame game, are you expecting the Georgia version of Ryan Day on Saturday? I think so. Some some variation thereof. I think it's like a lot of things. It's not just about Saturday. It's about mm-hmm. because whatever what you do on Saturday is what you set in motion on Sunday or Monday, you know, especially at this level. Like it's not like you just show up on Saturday and you're like, you know what? I am going to call this play like it's a play that you installed and worked on earlier in the week. So it's it, it, it should already be underway if, if that's going to happen. and. Mm-hmm. It was uh, as much as anything. It was about playing loose, and it, it's it's the, the dynamics do shift a little bit here, and I think that's important because when we look back on it, it, it clearly helped them in that game. Without that mindset shift, if they're already playing tight, and then they lose, Kate Silver, Martin Harrison Jr. don't have any running backs, etc. That game could have got away from them in a pretty serious way. I think the fact that they showed up with that mentality helped. But you had that offensive line and that quarterback. You also were in a situation there where you were the underdog. Like mm-hmm. Ohio State was absolutely the underdog. They were playing in Atlanta. They were uh, playing the defending national champion. Uh, a, a lot of things made them, and the betting line. The betting line literally made them an underdog. So yeah. here, they're still favored. And they are still, you know, having won last year, maybe the team that has a little bit more to prove. And I think that almost makes this a bigger, um, not more to prove, but but more to lose in its way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's what almost makes this a bigger test of whether this is a serious thing that 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 Ryan Day was serious about, that, that he can carry 
that mindset change into a game like this because it's a game where there is real potential for Ohio State to tighten up. You're playing on the road. You're you know, there's a lot at stake. You um you know you, you again you are the team that is more the national championship contender than Notre Dame is at this point. Like there's a lot of ways that a team could sort of seize up in this moment. And does his demeanor and his vibe this week help alleviate that potential? So Andrew, I asked Nathan, or we should we expect that? I'm gonna ask you, do they need that? Do they need to see what George the Georgia version of Ryan Day, not just for this Notre Dame game, but for basically the rest of the season, given the level of talent that we're getting ready to see take a big uptick over the next couple of weeks here. Yes, but I also think, you know, I said this earlier today, I think you need to see this from Ohio State because it's going to be a good practice run for kind of the rest of the season, right? Like, this is a game where I think you could make a case that both teams should feel really good going into, and both teams could kind of let it fly a little bit. I don't mean just like throw it all over the yard, but I'm just saying like both teams should go into this game pretty confident, right? Like, and I don't think that's crazy to say, which is why I think this is going to be a really, really fun and really, really, really entertaining game. So if I'm Ohio State, I look at this like, look, we are going into like, let's embrace this, right? Like, let's embrace this moment. Like we are going into a place where, you know, I mean, Notre Dame Stadium is a really cool place just objectively in terms of college football and college football history. Like, embrace that. Embrace the fact that people have kind of doubted this team for a couple of weeks and kind of said, like, "Ah, I don't know what's going on with this, what's going on with that. They should have won by more in the first two weeks of the year. Like, whatever motivation you can scrounge up, I don't know what it is, but find it and and use that and, and use that intensity because I think that the vibes need to be there like we were talking about earlier. Like, I think that there needs to be that energy that, you know, that kind of oomph from the coaching staff again. But I also think it needs to manif- manifest itself on the field a little bit. You know, like Ohio State's a more talented team and they should never not play that way. They should never not game plan that way. And I mean, this is a game where if I'm Ohio, like if I'm Jim Knowles, I'm, I'm maybe not as aggressively as last year. But I'm still loading the box and saying, all right, Sam, come beat us. You know, like if I'm Ohio State, I'm saying like we're I mean, we're Ohio State. We're going to throw this thing all over the yard. You know, we're going to do what we can do. Forget, you know, maybe our problems at offensive line, like do what you do best and do what you do. Like, you know, I I asked Ryan day to day, like, are are you game planning for Benjamin Morrison to travel with Marvin Harrison Jr.? Because I think that that could be. Um, you know, one of the low key important matchups of this weekend. And he was like, no, we're going to do what we do. And, th- and I think that more than just him saying what was going to happen with the receiver matchups and if they were kind of game planning for that, that kind of told me like, no, like we know what we are. We know who we are and we know what we're going to do in this game. And I think that that's a really important mindset just to have generally, but then for this game specifically. I thought the Benjamin Morrison thing is actually kind of interesting because that's not normal in college for guys to right. follow. Like that's not a normal thing at all. I mean, they had Jeff Okuda here and he didn't follow. They put sure. him in a slot sometimes, but they didn't necessarily have him follow. And I remember asking Sean Wade out of the Alabama game in 2020 if there was any talk of him doing that, and it was a no. And maybe it should have been a no. Or maybe it should have. Who knows? I mean, they weren't really ready to face Devontae Smith in that national championship game whatsoever. But Nathan, we saw what aggressive Ryan Day meant for C.J. Stroud. And C.J. at that point had solidified himself as a Heisman Trophy finalist two times in a row, a first-round NFL draft pick. But there's a difference between being a first-round NFL draft pick and potentially being the number one pick in the NFL draft. And it felt like that Georgia game answered any questions that an NFL scout could have possibly had about C.J. Stroud in every capacity, whether it's some of its play calling, but also – he kind of let loose too, right? The way he was making plays with his legs, both behind the scrimmage and also down the field. What can this version of Ryan Day, where it's not just in how he calls a game, but just as you're, the vibe he is setting on a Tuesday news conference, and he's setting that tone today and it's supposed to permeate throughout the week, similar to what they did last week. What can that mean for Kyle McCord as he's stepping onto the national stage for the first time in his career? 
Well, I think that's, again, an important relationship because Ryan Day has made it clear he needed to stay as the primary play caller because he's so mm-hmm. involved with the quarterbacks. He has this relationship with Kyle McCord that he wants to cultivate and maintain, and it goes beyond just being the head coach. It's more involved than that. So if, if Ryan Day is tight, he risks passing it off to feel like it's like my son coming home from daycare. Like anything he brings home the, from daycare, I'm going to probably get it, which happens to be bad news in my house right at this very moment. And I feel like there's a there's an analogy here, like what Ryan Day brings to the Woody every day. He risks passing off to the players in terms of just whether he gets at his own head a little bit and, and tightens up. I think it was evident in the Michigan game last year uh, that they were just too too tight. And that's why he himself was coming out of that game saying, we've got to loosen up. We've got to play with more confidence. We've got to play more aggressively. He, and he saying those things out loud, uh, ostensibly to his whole team, but also to himself, I think, and holding himself to that standard. So I think it's absolutely crucial that, you know, Tom McCord right now, what we know about him, I just wrote a piece about this, that, you know, the, we've talked before about the extraordinary trait, and we're still zeroing in on what that might exactly be for him. But part of it is just his demeanor and his sort of unflappable, you know, you can't affect him mentally. He doesn't, doesn't flop around one way or the other. There's not a lot of variance for him. It's, he stays pretty even keeled. And I think that if Ryan day were to come in and disturb that and throw that off, that, that, that hurts Ohio state. I think though, it's more than that because you've also got right now, a a offensive line that took a positive step last week. I think they've mm-hmm. still got a ways to go to be what Ohio State wants it to be, but you could, can't say that there wasn't some improvement there or at least much more positive vibes coming out of that game than there were the first two weeks. You don't want to rein that in. I think you want those guys, you have to still keep that standard of execution, but you want those guys to sort of be feeling that and building off of that each day this week to take that into Saturday. And obviously this defense is playing with a lot of confidence and it's playing very loose and very physical and kind of taking the fight to the other, to the opponent in a real way. And that hasn't always been the case for Ohio state these last couple of years. 2021 was obviously a year of kind of back on its heels defense. 2022, they fixed a lot of that, but still would get caught sometimes um, out of position and not kind of ready for the moment. And that, you know, through three games, you know, not opponents that have challenged Ohio State the way maybe that Notre Dame can in some aspects, especially on the offensive line, but the, there's positive momentum. So again, the more, t- the, the tighter you get uh, and, and the vibe that can kind of permeate the rest of the team, I, it could affect that defense too. So again, I just think, you know, we're not behind the scenes, unfortunately, and we can't see what it's like for him coming in this week and if it matches what there was last year. But I do think that he has to keep that in mind, that the the best game that Ohio State played last year might have been that loss to Georgia in the national championship, in the semifinals. If you if you take everything into account, the caliber of opponent and and the, the people, pieces that they lost along the way to still lose that game by one point, it was, you know... It, still an accomplishment in its own way. So what, what about that? What lessons did you learn from that that applied to Saturday? As far as the offensive line, he called it a step in the right direction. You saw them playing hard and that's the expectation. It's not always going to be perfect, but we got to rock off the ball and finish people. It started with a week with the week of practice that they had, and it's got to happen again, starting today. So we did see some progression there. Can they take that next step? And it's, Notre Dame's got a, some quality guys on his defensive line, but it's not like they have Aiden Hutchinson over there where, you know, and also the pass pro, once again, has not been the issue. We're talking more in the run game in this situation. I think another thing, <laughs> we bring up the Georgia game. Ohio State was already kind of limping into that game, and then they were limping through that game. I mean, you're missing Jackson Smith, the Jigba, Travion Henderson, two guys who came into the year you thought were arguably the best players at their position, or at least in the conversation to be with Travion Henderson. Obviously, B. John Robinson existed at that point, so that's probably number one. And then you lose Marvin Harrison. You're losing Kate Stover in the middle of the game there. Mayan Williams is in there, but then the next play, he's not. That's probably another good thing, Andrew, for Ohio State just coming into this game is they're at full strength in a way that they really haven't been for a game of this magnitude 
in a while, really. You can go back to well the last Notre Dame game when they came into that game without any issues. Well, I mean, you want – I mean, I think both teams would want um, – both Notre Dame and Ohio State would say, I want both teams to be healthy. I want to get their best shot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, going into this game, I think it, it's just important to be healthy, just kind of speaking generally, because you don't have to limit anything, right? Like when you have the injuries that you have in the Peach Bowl – all right, maybe there's certain things you can't call. And it's no disrespect to the guys who were replacing, but, you know, they don't have the reps. They don't have the, the, the inside baseball knowledge of, hey, here's what works on this particular play or here's, what, here's a little trick that I do on this route concept or whatever it is. So, yeah, I mean, being healthy going into this game I think is a huge deal. And, um, you know, neither team has an excuse of, ah, we were injured. Ah, we, you know, we, we had this, we had that. Like, Barring anything crazy that happens like during the game, it's it it should be fun to see, uh, you know, because you're going to get, I mean, both teams are going to be able to get their best shot. So we, we tied into the video on this, but I want to rehash this here. What are expectations for Kyle McCord on Saturday? Nathan, we'll start with you. In a world where he's got the weapons he's had at his disposal, he's had a bit of a runway here with three games under his belt to build some momentum. Uh, I mean, we talked about how they we don't want to put too much on you know Kyle McCord's plate and take a, take put too much pressure on him there. But also Ryan Day kind of combated that on Tuesday when I asked him that question, which is shocking as well. What's what should we be expecting from Ohio State starting quarterback on Saturday in his first big time matchup? Well, again, I think it's just an extension of what we've seen from him so far, which mm-hmm. is you know not taking. Uh, uh, unwise chances and sort of just managing the game. I think that's, you know, Ohio State's plan for success, and I think that this is the plan for success, even if they win by a lot on Saturday, is to make it so that you don't make Cal McCord have to go out and make a bunch of hero plays. I think that's true of almost any quarterback, but certainly him, like let him keep growing into the quarterback he's going to be by the end of this season. But make this game be about how your defense was disruptive and how your run game really made them pay. And then you can through that, especially through what you do with your run game is where you can really make uh, you can really damage this this secondary. Um, but I think that it's if, if Ohio State doesn't come out and get the ground game going, I do think there's some talent in this Notre Dame secondary that can can make things problematic for McCord and for, for these receivers as good as they are. That, that's that's a, a matchup that, that starts to give Notre Dame a little bit of a chance to, to hang in this. I think if if they can come out and get Trevor Henderson going, to get some things going with Chip Trainum, whatever wrinkle that they haven't shown yet in the run game that they want to put on the, the field on Saturday, like, you know, make Notre Dame prove it can beat that. And then you've obviously got opportunities over the top while they're worried about that. So I, I to me, it's more just about coming in and kind of just keeping the same baseline and then just removing the, the few mistakes that we have seen, you know, obviously a thing like the strip sack that goes up the, 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 the repercussions of that are, are, are can can kind of go up exponentially in a game like this because you're you're playing a team that can take advantage of a mistake in a way that these first three could. With Kyle McCord, I it is not like look the the numbers are what they are. You 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 need him to play well. I think in this game because I think if it becomes a game where let's just say that both secondaries play really well or both pass rushes or whatever, and it becomes a ground like a ground and pounded game where. You know, but it's it's just a rock fight. Like, I don't know if that decidedly favors one side or the other. I think it would be pretty even. So I think that um, Ohio State wants to avoid that. But so the the numbers are what they are again. But the thing that I really need to see from Court is like how you handle the situation, how you handle the moment, how you handle the gravity of everything. We talked about this with the Indiana game. Oh, Big Ten road game you know, Big Ten matchup for Kyle McCord. This is a huge deal for him and blah, blah, blah. It's a tough, you know, it's a tough game. And I, and and like, I've said this before too, like it's not easy going on the road for your first start in college. And it's, it is a Big Ten opponent and blah, 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 blah. Uh, Well, this is different. (laughs) You know, this is a different, this is a different thing. Like we were at the facility today 
and you see all these national, you know, national TV people that are there and game day is going to be there and all of these different, you know, they're, they're doing shows, the big 10 network. And then like, like the Pat McAfee show and like all these other things are there. It's just crazy what's happening at Notre Dame this week. And like, there's a lot of distractions and you've got to be able to handle that. And then you've got to be able to handle how a momentum change in a game like this can decide it. Like, I mean, the Vegas line right now is three as we record this. Like, a lot of people are expecting this to be a fairly close game, and this is a game where one, two, three plays here or there is going to swing it. So he's got to be able to handle the moment in the right way. I said this on our on our YouTube video that I think when I say the term game manager, when people say the term game manager, they think of that as a negative because they think of a quarterback who, frankly, isn't that good. And they kind of think of this mentality of, you know what? Ah, you know, that's that just means that you're making excuses for the guy. I don't think that that's true. Like, I know, like when I was covering the Bengals, Joe Burrow said this a lot last year where he's like, the thing that I've learned over my career in college and in the pros has, you know, I've learned how to manage a game. I've learned what type of game this can be, you know, whether it's going to be a slug fest where it's just back and forth, you know, where nobody can really do anything. And you've got to play that game a little bit differently then you've got to play a game that's going to end 45 to 42. Like there are just different styles of games and like, you know, deciding when to eat it and take a sack on third and five instead of forcing a throw when you're at midfield. And, you know, you could give Notre Dame good field position or something like that. Like those mental things, I'm really looking to see how he handles it, both kind of in the way that he carries himself and what he does. So for me... A lot of this is, I mean, look, it's going to manifest itself in the box in the box score and in the in the stat sheet. But for me, the thing with McCord is it's all mental this week, and it's what can he do to yes, physically prove that he's you know the you know the undisputed this is this was always the correct choice guy to be the starting quarterback. But there's a lot of mental stuff too, and there's a lot of just intangible things that I'm going to be looking for. I think Ryan Day's definition of game manager. It's not, I mean, he's even kind of said this already. It's, we've designed this offense and we have stocked this offense with these talents. So just use them. Just just do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Just go out right. and get the ball to those guys. Um, it's, and, and, you know, easier said than done, I suppose, for a schlub like me sitting at a microphone. But I think it's not go out and just go out and, and, and hand it off and dink and dunk and don't hurt us. It's just, just thrive within what yep. structure they've set up. And I think comic Accord has those tools and obviously, you know, Notre Dame's going to try to do things to interrupt that. Uh, so that's maybe the biggest thing. It's like, as you're saying, it's like what he's going to see things Saturday that he's never seen before as probably happens in just about every game. But Notre Dame's going to throw something at him that it didn't have on film in these first four games. How does he respond? You know, you've got some pretty good defensive minds in that uh, Notre Dame program between Marcus Freeman, Al Golden, whoever else. Like, they're going to have some things cooked up. This isn't the first time they've tried to come after a relatively inexperienced quarterback and rattle him. So how does he How does he handle that? How does he solve that in real time? It's, it's just one of the still lingering unknowns for him. Well, and to just jump in real quick again, it's – We've heard so much about Ryan Day talk about how Comicore just stays even, how he stays consistent through all of this. Throwing the interception on fourth down against Indiana is different. Like Nathan has said before, they really weren't in danger of losing to Indiana or Youngstown State or Western Kentucky, like ever at all. Like at no point did that in that game did I think, hey, this might come down to the wire even. Like I don't think anybody else really thought that either. Like this is a game where, you know, you throw an interception and it's a really, you know, it's a close, like that, that could be the moment. So it's like, how do you handle making a mistake if, and when you do make a mistake, whether, you know, you could do the same thing that you did against Western Kentucky where you hold the ball too long and, you know, you should have throw it or you should throw it earlier, take a sack, you fumble it, you give the ball up. Like that's different against young, against Western Kentucky than it is against Notre Dame. So it's like, how do you handle that? Especially if, you know, that mistake puts Ohio State down or it takes their lead away or it cuts into their lead. Like if, if it does something negative to them, like essentially on the scoreboard, 
that I think that that's going to be big as well. How do you respond to that pressure and how do you stay even keeled in a moment, which is so much bigger than the first three games that they've played? I don't know if he'd be the starter if they still had questions about that though, but I do, I do see where you're coming from. With that. Right. I make the routine plays routine. That's what they say all the time. Yeah. Make the routine plays. Routine. If you're, if there's a four yard out, that's supposed to be completed, completed. Keeps you on schedule. If Marvin Harrison Jr. is open, coming down to see, throw Marvin Harrison Jr. the ball. If I'm at Kibuka, and on down the list, you can keep going. Just keep the routine yeah. things routine. And sometimes if you, you just stay on schedule, then some of those situations don't pop up. But I just want to see the moment that tells me why Kyle McCord was picked to be Ohio State starting quarterback. And more importantly, why Ryan Day picked him to be Ohio State's quarterback in that 21 class. Because that moment shows itself every single time. Eventually, we saw why Dwayne Haskins got picked. Sometimes a lot of people saw it before he even got picked to be the starting quarterback. They saw it back in 2017 when there were fans calling for him over JT Barrett. We saw why Justin Fields was considered as highly rated as he was. We saw eventually, even if it took some time, we saw why C.J. Stroud won that competition. I want to see why. What he has been seeing in Kyle McCord since, I mean, we've brought up that Sam Hartman has been in college football since 2018. Well, Kyle McCord's had an Ohio State offer for almost as long the time, you know, for six years, he's been on Ryan Day's radar. So when that moment shows up, because it's going to show up at some point against Notre Dame, whether it's in the first quarter or deep into a fourth quarter when you're trying to pull out a win, it's going to show up. And I want to see that moment and be able to walk away thinking, okay, that's why Ryan Day put, picked Kyle McCord. Let's see how he builds on it through the next eight weeks of the season. I'm going to take one more break, and then we come back. I have one more question for these guys. That's just overall view of things before we get into the big pot on Thursday. So we'll get into that when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Back here on Buckeye Talk, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. Who is this going to be more challenging for? Ohio State's, just the way Brian Day and Jim Knowles were talking, who has a more challenging game plan to put together between Ohio State's offense and Ohio State's defense in preparing for Notre Dame? Oh, definitely Jim Knowles. Mm, yeah, I think absolutely. I don't think there's any question. And and it's it's uh, first of all, I'm just I'm not sure that uh, Notre Dame is like an upper echelon defense. I mm-hmm. know Ohio State is an upper echelon offense. If you mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean yes, I know the offensive line. Yes, yes, whatever. But I know who Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka and Trevion Henderson and Kate Stover and on down the list like. So those guys I like in essentially any matchup that they will face from any defense in the country. Um, and I'm beginning to like Ohio State in just about any matchup it's going to see this year. Mm-hmm. But Sam Hartman will be at home, and he's just got all that experience. And you have to it, – it's going to be – like I was saying before about how Common Court's going to see things for the first time, it's harder to throw things that Sam Hartman needs to see for the first time. So I just think it is a little bit, you know, this is a game that is um, a little bit maybe more on the defense to step up and show that its first three weeks were real. But I also think it's in a position where against some of the things that this offense does, um, there's some potential here for this defense to look just as good as it has in these first three weeks. So the the thing that I'm curious about with just to to touch on Ohio, the answer is Ohio State's defense. But the thing that I'm curious about with Ohio State's offensive staff is like this is one of the games like I mentioned this before and like Nathan brought it up originally, like Ohio State was not going to lose to any of the first three teams that they played, but they still did kind of mention and we did kind of talk about this like not getting dragged into the mud with some of these teams, right? Like, hey, do you want to try and run the ball against Indiana? Because then all of a sudden you're shortening the game even more. And do you try to go hurry up to try and counteract some of this stuff? Like, how do you do that? Well, I don't think it like it like if I if I said that Notre Dame ran the ball to either great success or like decent success, I don't think anybody would be surprised. Like I don't think anybody would be stunned if I told you that Notre Dame runs the ball fairly well on Saturday. So it's like, does Ohio State offensively look at that and say, like, Notre Dame's bleeding the clock down, but we're, we can also run the ball too because that favors Notre Dame. A shorter game favors Notre Dame. So it's like, I don't know what Ohio State's game plan would be for that because, again, this is one of those uh, – this is a dangerous game in that regard where it's like, 
you know, this is a team that can actually beat you, whereas the first three teams could not. So, I mean, it's kind of the same question, but with more danger. It's kind of like walking a tightrope over like five feet, like just where you like fall on some grass or like walking a tightrope like at the circus where you're like 50 feet in the air. And like you could actually like hurt yourself if you if you're not careful. So um, I, I think that, you know, that's going to be fascinating to me what happens if Notre Dame is actually able to establish a ground game. But yeah, it's it's the defensive staff like they have they have a tougher game plan because, again, like I think it just comes back to the fact that like I don't think Notre Dame's defense is going to be able to hold down Ohio State all game. Like they, they're, they'll probably get a couple of stops here and there, you know, depending on the turnovers, like that's going to be big, but like, there's nothing, I don't think like Notre Dame is not going to come out and just absolutely shut down Ohio state's offense. Like that's just not going to happen. I don't think it's impossible that Notre Dame runs the ball for a really nice clip on Saturday. Like, I don't like it wouldn't like Notre Dame ran the ball really well against Clemson last year. They had like two, like they won the game with like 80 something yards passing. And that was a Clemson team that had two first round defensive linemen on it. A guy that went third round, one of their linebackers, another defensive end that went in the fifth round. Like it was a really talented Clemson defense. And especially in the front seven, Notre Dame basically didn't need to pass the ball to beat them. So like, yeah, Ohio State's more talented than that Clemson team. And they're better than that Clemson team. But like Notre Dame can run the ball against really good defenses. So I think it's just going to be a matter of like, how do you stop that? Like what, what can you dial up to prevent that from happening while also making sure that Hartman doesn't take the top off the defense with some play action passes if you start to get four or five yards on first and second down? I think Notre Dame can run the ball as long as its defense contains Ohio State's explosive offense. Because right. we were here, and Nathan, you remember 2021, uh, Kenneth Walker walked into that Michigan State-Ohio State game, Heisman Trophy candidate, and he left it with like 12 yards because Ohio State's offense got so explosive so quickly there that it doesn't matter how good your run game is. You're not running the ball when you're up 20, when you're down 21 points because you got to catch up. So, yes, I, I, I point taken, Andrew, Notre Dame does have a solid run game, but that only matters as much as how explosive is Ohio State's offense, which goes back to something we've talked about routinely at this point and sometimes Ohio State's best defense is just its offense being what it's supposed to be one more thing I just thought because it got brought up today Nathan Mayan Williams has not really been a a real part of this offense he's only got one less carry than Chip Trainum on the year 18 for 73 yards and two touchdowns Chip Trainum's got 19 for 133 and a touchdown obviously Travion Henderson leading the way there with 30 carries but a lot of his carries have come in maybe mop-up time especially last week they didn't really – they got asked, like, flat out, is Mayan Williams third? But he said no, but they're just kind of rolling those guys behind Travion Henderson. But oh, the reason I bring it up is a year ago when Ryan Day was in his, we're going to prove we can run the ball, we're tough mode against Notre Dame on that second-half drive, it was Mayan Williams who got a lot of those carries on that deep drive. So are we a little shocked at how less Mayan Williams has been used this far? Is this something that could drastically change going into Saturday? When he also had a huge catch in that game, like one of the catches yeah. of the year in that game, a sliding catch on the sideline. So he was asked if Mayan was third, and he mm-hmm. said, well, we're not really doing a depth chart in that way. We're not lining him up that way. But he didn't say, no, no, he's second. Yeah. So make sure you, we got – sometimes you got to listen to, like, the <laughs> echo of what somebody says. And that was the echo to me was that, like, you didn't say he's third, but he also didn't say he was second. And really, it just reinforces, I mean, again, another echo is all preseason, going back to really, I would say going back to Big Ten media day, so before preseason camp even starts, Mm -hmm. a lot of enthusiasm about Trevian Henderson whenever he talked to Ryan Day, but so many times he would say, Chip Trainum's had an awesome summer, or Chip Trainum's having a great preseason camp. Like, they were were really hammering the Chip Trainum is coming thing, and Mayan Williams, we know, was missing some practice. Mm-hmm. We we pointed it out when it happened, and we'd see him sometimes, you know, getting taped up or having to leave early, or just. And we only saw them a couple times. So I think those two things kind of coincided here and opened the door for Chip Trainum, especially with this role that he has to take a bigger part of the offense. And I think he can do that role, and Mayan Williams probably can't. 
And if you really want this to be a part of the offense, then that's going to be a bigger role for Chip Trainum. I also think as much as Mike Williams has proved himself in these last couple of years, I think it's also possible, you know, he's a very physical runner, you know, low center of gravity, can run through, run through arm tackles, hand tackles, uh, messes pretty easily and get yards that way. Very useful runner that way. But I think all those things are probably true of Chip Trainum. And I bet if you line them up side by side, I bet Chip Trainum pops in pretty good in the 40, right? Like, I think he's the quicker guy. I think he, and especially if you're talking about downfield speed, I think I probably like Chip Trainum in that battle. So it may just be that like, this is how it is played out. Like as far as relative talent and that Chip Trainum just has an edge right now. So it's, it's, it's certainly surprising that if you had asked us on August 15th or whatever, who's going to be second in, in carries. In fact, I'm sure we did have this conversation. I, let's go mm-hmm. back and listen. I think we did have this exact conversation about how the carries were going to get distributed, and nobody was arguing about Chip Trainum getting a bunch of carries this year. So yes, it's surprising in that realm. But having actually watched them all play football here in these first three games, it's not surprising now by game four that I think Mam Williams probably will have a reduced role compared to what he had last year against Notre Dame, simply because somebody else has emerged that is playing very well. Like, you know, Chip Trainum, it's and it's it's it dates back to Michigan, man. Like when they give him the ball um, Things as happen. a running back, he plays good football. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And yeah. it's not that Mike Williams didn't. It's just that this isn't a, 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 a point they're trying to prove or a decision that they've made for the sake of making one. I think Chip Trainum just earned a bigger role. As we ask them to do at every position, right? As a as a and as as Ohio State fans, certainly. But I think if we in the media, when we're scrutinizing how they deploy their talent, we always say, like, listen, like it just put the best guy out there. Who cares what year he is? Who cares what where he came from? Who cares what his background is? If if Xavier Johnson is the fourth best receiver on this team, truly, right now, today, best fourth best football player in receiver core, then put him out there. And if Sonny Styles is the best safety, then put him out there. Like it, so the same has to apply to the backfield, no matter how much affection people might have for pork chop mine Williams. There's an element with him of, I think, I mean, the way they've talked about Travion and we are still trying to cut through how much of that is mending what last year was, but then also Travion just might have looked there's, awesome. And I think Tra- Travion has, yeah. you're right. He's, he's, as they've given him the ball more, he's shown a little bit more that he's closer to what he was as a freshman, which I think is a good thing. So it's that. It's a very clear Travion is number one, very clearly. And then after that, when you're trying to fight for carries, it's like Chip Trainum gives you more, not just with the ball, but just what you can do with him on the field. They did two running back sets against Indiana. And I don't just mean him in that fullback role. I mean, like they really had two a running back on both sides of the quarterback. They never do that at Ohio State. So if he's opening up how creative you can be with some of these formations, while also to your point, every time they give him the ball, something happens. You know, he Ohio State had two plays that were one play touchdown drives. One of them was a throw to Marvin Harrison, and the other one was a run by Chip Trainum. So to your point, there's probably something there. Does that mean Mayan Williams is not going to have a role at all this year? Probably not, because it's a long season, and then there's going to be plenty of games where you pro- it's probably not smart to give Travion Henderson the ball more than 10 times just to get him through the year. But I did think that was interesting uh, that we've noticed it. And then to your point, Ryan Day didn't really just kind of combat it all the way and say, no, no, Ryan Williams is clearly second. I do. I, you, you bring up an interesting point. This will take us down a tangent that we don't need to go down. But hey, Buckeye talk. Buckeye talk. <laughs> if Trevin Henderson couldn't play for some reason, Trevin Henderson gets called in for jury duty Saturday. They won't let him out. Um, he has to stay in Columbus. Um, does... Chip Trainum start at running back, or does Mayan Williams start at running back? I think Mayan mm, Mayan starts because I think they like Trip in that second role. I think, I think, I think. I'm not totally I sure. I don't know. I don't. I honestly yeah. don't know what I think about that right now. But um, I have to do a depth chart that'll be on our site on Saturday, or on sorry, on Wednesday morning, and. I've been sort of calling that an or, and I don't think it's an or anymore. I think Chip has to be listed as the number two running back, like just clean. Like he's just the number two running back right now. That's just based I mean, on how they're using guys. 
Well, I mean, you make the depth chart. You could just create a new position and call it the chip. Yeah, I don't. I don't like to get too into <laughs> sub packages. I try to keep it base eleven on eleven stuff. Gotcha. I don't try to gotcha. get too. I'm not doing jack or bullet or uh, the all that stuff. No, no bison package on the depth chart. It's just your standard elevens. <laughs> well. Check the site, cleveland.com slash OSU to see uh, Nathan's depth chart. Sign up for the text, 614-350-3315. Maybe I'll tell you some of it through the text as well. But we text a lot of stuff out, man. Two-week free trial. This is the best week to start up because big game coming on Saturday against Notre Dame, and then it's the bye week. And then they're really taking off after that with eight games coming up after that. So for Nathan Baird, for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk.